From Hong Kong, Chicago, and the city of Stoke-on-Trent, this is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 75. My name is Simon Forster, and I'm joined by Johnny Sisson and Perry G. Hello, Johnny. <laughs> good morning. And hello, Perry. Hello, good evening. Good evening. Spanning the globe, spanning the uh, the, the, the time zones again. Um, and just, uh, let's let's start the show traditionally. And uh, how's the weather in uh, Chicago, Johnny? Oh, come on. Really, Simon? Okay, hold on. Let me lift the curtain. All right. Well, it is uh, it is very sunny here today. Um, hold on, my I lost my headphones. Going to make this happen here. It's very it's very sunny here today. It's not humid. It's not horrible. It's very it's very very nice today. Good. And uh, Stoke on Trent weather is just normal weather. Um, so nobody really wants to know about that. And uh, and I th- I think what we're going to do we're going to head straight over to Hong Kong now because that's where all the interesting stuff has happened this week. So how, yes. how are you doing out there, Perry? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I've had a busy week photographically. A lot of things going on. So should I dive in? I have like five things I've been up to this week. It's been kind of wild. Because, like, in the summer holidays, um, my schedule is a little bit more, like, flexible. And this week, just everything fell into place, uh, which is super cool. So, so first things first. Just before we started recording, uh, I got back. I just got back from a, a lens trade because I reunited myself with a lens that I sold. Well, I traded uh, a couple of months ago, and I kind of regretted it. So I just repurchased a Zeiss ZM planar 50 millimeter F2 because I had that for a while and it didn't see a lot of use and I traded it towards a Leica version 2 Summerlux 51.4 and I also picked up a uh, 50 millimeter F2 Summicron version 4 the version 2 Summerlux version 4 Summicron and I, I just I didn't really like the Leica lenses the the Summerlux was too big and the Summicron was sharp but kind of boring. Um, so I got rid of both of them for a profit, and uh, those healthy profits went towards <coughs> reuniting me with the planar. Nice. I'm I'm curious. I'm curious about the the Summilux or Summilux. Um, and the your main reason you gave there was it was too large. Um, but how about optically? How how did it perform optically? Um. Yeah. So. I mean, it's a beautiful lens. I, I, I spend more time sitting there just kind of fondling it on my M2 than I did actually shooting with it. Uh, but it it wide open, it's kind of soft and has that sort of like a glow. Not too bad. Um, not as bad as like the 35 1.4 Um And then stop down to around F4. It's crazy sharp. But the backgrounds were very... Uh, sometimes weird looking. So I used it mostly for portraits um, and often like indoor portraits. And one thing I would find is just like with the interiors that I was shooting, the backgrounds would look really harsh and really ugly. And and that's one of the things that I noticed with a lot of Leica lenses that are very sharp. It's they have a kind of like harsh sharpness that I don't quite like um, in comparison to something like the Zeiss uh, Sonar, which is, you know, I, I would describe it as like a much smoother or much like rounder sharpness, if that makes any sense. So was it was mm. it the spherical uh, Sumilux? No, 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 no. That lens is beautiful. Uh, but that lens is like, I mean, 
it's so expensive mm. and and paying that much for a 51.4 is uh out of my reach and i also think like um well yeah anyway i, I really like that one though the results the only it's the only aspherical uh like a lens that i'd like because i've had i've had the 28 elmeret aspherical didn't really like it it had too much harshness 35 aspherical somicron also harsh uh but yeah, no, this was the version two. So the the version one was the chrome one. And then version two came in both chrome and black. Um, so I had the black brass one with a E43 or E46 filter on the front. Um, and just like, you know, it's a hefty little beast. It feels really good in the hand. The, re- the reason why I asked is because uh, in... When I've when I've read about certain lenses, uh, many spherical lenses are usually uh, praised for their sharpness, but criticised for their uh, or we can't say the B word, can we? Uh, Ooftar. Uh, yes. So, um, um, would you would you? Well, I just wonder what your thoughts are on the on the on a spherical Ooftar. Well, I mean, it depends on. <laughs> It depends what you want, right? Because they, I mean, each lens is different. I don't think you can make a generalization about like aspherical lenses all having similar oofta, bokeh. Um, the 1.4 is very smooth, but it's not super modern looking. Um, the the wider lenses, like, yeah, they, they can be a little bit harsh, definitely. And then the APO Somicron, which my buddy has and I've borrowed, which is just like an absurd lens. Um, I think it also has fairly harsh uh, bokeh. Not, I don't know if it's any worse than the older lenses because, you know, the like the Zeiss Sonar is gorgeous, right? And, and really smooth. But the Summilux, the V2, it, it depends on the background. Like if the background is outdoors, um, like so for example, I mean, this is really specific, but I think if you have like, golden brown like wheat or like tall grass in the background the summer looks looks fantastic um but if it's indoors where there's like you know things in the background that will reflect light in different ways um it it looks really busy and not in not in that kind of nice uh funky vintage way that i like uh it just it's super distracting so i I didn't really use it so the only experience i've got in terms of a classic lens, um, a spherical is the Canon 50 millimeter, the FD FDL uh, 50 millimeter f 1.2, which, um, in, in my view, it's the, the the sharpest, wide open, super fast lens I've, I've ever used. Uh, but um, the the overall appearance, um, the outer focus area um, against, say, my my Konica. 57 1.2 and if, and a few other lenses I, I just just felt it was just too busy um c- mm. compared to those those other lenses so uh um, and that's usually put down to that spherical elements whereas because the um the other non l lenses don't have that spherical element in there and they generally have a, a smoother out of focus area yeah I, I don't know if you can make that generalization but i do think that's uh, that is a common feature on a lot of like you know you've got like the Voigtlander thirty five one point seven which has an aspherical element in it and I and I don't, I don't like it for the same reason um, but the thing that I noticed the most is what you get in exchange for sharpness to me you get harshness and flatness 
um, if that makes any sense. And and so I tend to not really enjoy, especially particularly Leica's spherical lenses, mm-hmm. with the exception of that 51.4, which is just stunning. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I have that lens back. Uh, I mean, uh, in, in, the, the reason I picked it up again, by the way, <laughs> is just I don't I realize that I don't have any 50s that are just like totally normal and relatively fast. Um, you know, the closest one would be like the top core 52.8 Heliar, but even that is doesn't render um, just, you know, sometimes you want a lens that just doesn't do weird stuff, right? This is like sharp, <laughs> reliable, doesn't focus shift, you know, and, and I, the Summicron was supposed to do that for me, but uh, I like the planar better. I, I just really love the ZM lenses. Uh, and then I, you know, I have this, I have this trip. Um, I'm going on a two week road trip at the end of July, uh, on the East coast of Canada. And I realized that, you know, Hong Kong has a lot of light pollution and air pollution. And so this is going to be like the first time in a while where I've got a, got a good shot at, uh, shooting the Milky Way. Oh yeah. Um, so I've been, well, I, I don't really have any lenses that are suitable for doing this because you need something super wide and something that. It's very different from all of the other like classic lenses that we like to play with because you really can't be, you know, you really can't have something with like a lot of coma or a lot of weird edges um, if you're going to be shooting like stars. So I- I've been talking to Lawrence Dunn, who does a bunch of astrophotography and also just doing a bunch of research about different lenses. And it's just uh, the ones that are well corrected are just so obnoxiously huge. Um, so I-, I think I've settled on a- the-, the Laowa. 15 millimeter f2 uh for sony e-mount which like it really pains me to purchase a lens specifically for like my sony a7r2 that i can't use on other bodies um but you know i want to shoot this and i don't have anything i thought about using my nikkor 24 2.8 ais i thought about my zeiss cy distagon 28 2.8 but they're not quite wide enough for the whole Milky Way. And like it, the edges don't really, you know, they're not really up to scratch. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's annoying, right? Because it's like yeah, a, a lens that does the opposite of what I like in every <laughs> other lens for normal day-to-day shooting. So, That's a special use though, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Special purpose lens that I'm going to use for this maybe a few times in the future, probably sell it when I get back. But it's not. It's not just really. A, I mean, that is a arguably a special use that you've you've that you're using it for. But I think this just goes well it, for me. Uh, wide angle lenses. I'm just not interested in character. I just want them to show what's in front of me. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's tend to be using it for something like architecture or some some form of landscape, and for that usually for that kind of photography, you're not trying to draw people's attention to the center of an image. Uh, you want you want as much detail and as much I don't know. It just just seems like you 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 just want your shots to be as clean as possible. So that, that's a reason why I'm not a fan of old and classic wide wide angle lenses. And, and I'm talking you know, wider than say twenty four millimeter here. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, the two that I like the best that I have are the fifteen millimeter super wide Heliar and the Voigtlander twenty one f four color scope R. Um, but on a Sony, they are going to do weird things on the edges and they're not yeah. quite fast enough for what I want to use them for. Um, but, oh, that's so big. 
like can't they I, I just wish they could make a smaller one you know because <laughs> like for APS-C so uh for Fuji you've got the the Samyang uh 12 millimeter f2 which is super sharp and not I have it it's super sharp it's not obnoxiously huge and I would totally use that but I have to bring my Sony because there's one specific lens that I want to use uh for shooting puffins um but it's a Canon autofocus lens that I have to use on a Metabones adapter so like we're gonna have a car, so I figure I'm just gonna load up on the gear this time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, what about the uh, so one lens that comes to mind, and I'm just spitballing here because I've never really done astrophotography because there are no stars in Chicago. Um, yeah, welcome to the city, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What what about the the Zeiss Flectagon, the 20 millimeter 2.8? Does that work or no? I mean, I'm just I'm I'm thinking age wise, it's probably not obviously not as well corrected as a modern lens, but it seems to like it would fit the bill. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, it, it could. Um, I think that is a focal length that could work as well. Cause for Milky way, you really want like yeah. 24 millimeters absolute minimum. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's not a bad suggestion. Um, I, but the other thing is like the Sony a seven R two has this reputation for uh, having a, a, a sort of star eater effect. Yeah, where okay. longer than four seconds, it's noise reduction does like wacky things to stars. Uh, so I, I figure the faster a lens I can have, yeah, the, the better. So an F2, um, especially one as well corrected as the Laowa, will probably suit yeah. the job a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm with Simon. I'm with Simon on that one for something like that with a wide angle. Just, <laughs> just get the nice clean modern lens, you know. Yeah, I'm just I'm, yeah. I'm just looking on my Flickr albums because I've I've got a few shots with with that lens at um, that that twenty mil uh, flat gone uh, two point eight, and but the thing is, yeah, you need to be yeah, you've got to be shooting wide open, haven't you? Really? Um, yeah. And and yeah. I think that's that's really the key. But it it looks it looks like it's performing pretty pretty well actually on on my on my A seven Mark two. Mm. Um, in the corners and i've got a few that are wide open the problem is the ones that are wide open are wide open uh, there are things relatively close and it's not my point of uh, focus so it's it's hard to tell uh, yeah. whether there's actually something bad going on at the edges or not really but it looks from what i can see it's it's doing pretty well um the only astro i've done i've done it with a, a samyang um that the 40 mil yeah. 2.8 um yeah that, that does a pretty good job um that's one i've considered I, I was actually gonna leaning towards that but it's so obnoxiously large mm-hmm. and the one um the, the one that they make for sony e-mount it looks like they just took the dslr version and they made it longer basically like yeah. built in an adapter yeah and just the the that approach to lens design irks me so i was like not screw that <laughs> Well, I think you're absolutely right on that. But uh, but it's a, it's a it's a decent lens, and you can move it around from lens from camera to camera. I mean, mine's in. Uh, I think mine's a Canon. I think it's a Canon mount, or we could, actually, or is it Nikon? Okay, I think it might, may well be Nikon. Actually, that would have been the the more sensible thing for me to have done with it, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I think um, my previous top choice was the Samyang fourteen two eight in Nikon F mount, mm. so that I could at least use it on multiple bodies, um, but. You know, might as well get the best tool for the job. And it seems like the Lawa with that extra stop of light is just going to give me a little bit more versatility. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some great yep. shots with it as well. It's a, it's an excellent lens. No two ways about it. Yeah. Plus the key th- the key thing is how it's going to render like point light sources on the edges and not just like 
sharpness um, and, and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, right. Actually, that, that, that's probably a good, good time just to mention that post that I put up yesterday in our yeah. Facebook group um, and the specifically the podcast group rather than uh, Photography with Classic Lenses. So that's uh, Classic Lenses podcast uh, Facebook group. And th this was going back to something I mentioned on last week's show about my uh, Pentax 58mm 2.4, uh, which is a Heliol lens. It's a M37 thread lens. Um, and it's a it's a it's a favourite of mine. Um, I've always liked it, the the look of it. It's it's pretty, it's you know it's quite quite sharp in in the centre, and then it gets uh, interesting at the edges. Um, but I, I, as I mentioned last week, I took a photograph of looking at the uh, nightscape at Madeira from a from a hotel room, and I felt that you know, on first impression, I thought that the lens was faulty because uh, the the points of light at the edges were pretty shocking um and it was okay in the in the in in the, in the center and um and this has led to a, a fair bit of discussion and uh, i know johnny has uh, accused my lens of being faulty um but i'm not entirely i'm still not entirely convinced if that's the case and uh, as we speak uh, jason lane uh, when he gets to work he's going to fire up his computer and his uh, his lens software to see if uh, um, the images that I've produced are consistent with um, with how he thinks that lens will perform because he's he's got the software that can he can tap in the details of just about any lens, and uh, and in particular, uh, it's it simulates what points of light do. So uh, assuming they can uh, show what points of light do at the edges, then it might replicate what uh, what the, the results of my lens. But certainly one of the things that Jason has said. Um, is he believes that that lens is pretty much too fast for its own good, yeah. um, mm -hmm. which um, to me sounds like it's my my theory that uh, uh, that was the reason why Pentax discontinued it um, is is sort of holding true. And you can argue people don't go around taking points of light. Well, that's fair enough. But people do take photographs of night scenes on the tripod, you know, and uh, and I think if my lens is performing as it was built, then I think that will disappoint quite a few people. Yeah, I mean, the, looking at the pictures, it's hard to tell from Facebook's compression, but it almost looks like the edges are smeared on the Heliar shot. Uh, ooh, okay. This, they, this is one of those things I'm actually describing this on the on a podcast. Uh, but yeah. they, but they, they almost look like, on the, certainly on mine, you know, obviously I get to see the the, the the proper photograph but it it's almost as if like they're it's they're forming cones um almost like like light yeah. like a loud hailer almost so mm -hmm. you've got uh narrow at one bit and then it then it flares out and there's only and uh, so it just looks like a loud hailer yeah but I, I don't think that's necessarily super unusual though i have lenses that'll do things like that i mean even a, a lens that i think we universally consider to be a wonderful performer uh, the Pen F forty one point four, it'll it'll exhibit a similar effect in the corners, even stop down a little bit, and it's just it's not really what it's intended to do, you know. So I I, I don't I don't know. I mean, the, the only thing that surprised me about that is it didn't. It seemed like the center sharpness, if that was stopped down, didn't extend further towards the edges. Not that the edges were bad. That didn't really surprise me. It just surprised me that there wasn't more 
you know, clean rendering further out towards the edges, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I think, Oh, go on. I was just going to say, of course, it was a, a lens. I was, I was expecting Johnny to say it, really, but uh, it's a lens that's designed to be used on film and not on the Sony. No, I, it's not even not even that necessarily. Yeah. It just, I, I, I mean, even regardless of the recording medium, I, I, I just felt like it. It looked. I would think it would be sharper or cleaner further out, but yeah. I, I still wouldn't be super surprised to see that at the edges even stop down a bit. Yeah. So. Yeah, because the two things that strike me are the little yellow house in the bottom right also looks pretty fuzzy, not just the point light sources. Um, and, and the other thing to bear in mind is, of course, the, the Kurtagon shot that you've got in comparison. That's a shift lens, so its image circle is significantly bigger. Yeah. So um, you're probably seeing more of a kind of sweet spot of that lens anyway. Yeah. Assuming you didn't shift it around. No, no, I didn't. And... and as I said in the, uh, the 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 chat in in the uh, about that photograph, it, I wasn't specifically comparing uh, the the two lenses together. I I just thought it yeah. was interesting yeah. just to show that uh, this is what the scene could have looked like, and it, and and with a with a particularly good lens. Um, but yeah, I, <coughs> I I felt it was it was quite quite shocking in the corners without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Jason comes back yeah uh, with on that. No, absolutely. So uh, watch, watch the space or watch the space in the uh, in the Facebook group. So uh, um, you've got even more to tell us as well, haven't you, Perry? Yeah, the, the yeah. next three all relate to street photography. Um, we've had a couple more protests here in Hong Kong. Uh, there was a, uh, a big one yesterday, um, but I didn't go out there because it, there was it was raining. Uh, but a couple of days before, there was the second iteration of a mom's protest. Now, this is particularly interesting because, like, the, the, the protesters who have been facing off against the police have primarily been young people. And there's been a lot of discussion locally about, you know, this, this entire trend. Um, but b basically, after the first violent protest and after the tear gas came out, uh, Carrie Lam, Hong Kong's chief executive, she came out with, like, this press conference. And she made a bit of a boneheaded comparison of her with, like, mothers. Um, and she was like, oh, I have two young, I have two uh, uh, sons and like, I can't give them everything they want because I know better, blah, 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 blah. And, and so this, this giant mom's group in Hong Kong wrote a letter in response saying like, A, you're not our mother and B, we don't think tear gassing your kids is a particularly good like, <laughs> yeah. parenting strategy. So there have been two mother's protests. Um, which is really not a demographic you want to piss off, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, they, you know, they've been these large peaceful protests of, like, predominantly mothers uh, <sighs> gathering downtown and, like, expressing their support. But it's been very uh, visually striking because they've been holding up their phones and, like, turning on the, the, the light and, like, singing songs and waving these banners. And so it has, like, that really cool um, sort of repetition effect similar to what you might see at like a football match where everyone has their scarves held up at the same time um so i went down there to shoot uh, a roll of sinistil at night for this mom's protest and i was really excited because i was using two lenses that i very rarely use i i only really use for nighttime situations and they're or, or yeah because they're, they're lenses i really like they're the zm 35 uh 1.4 distagon 
and the uh, Nikkor 85 F2 uh, LTM. So I'm down there shooting. It's it's super cool. It's a very moving protest. I get home. I develop the role. And honestly, like I told myself a while ago that if I have C41 shots that really matter, I should just send them to a lab because they're going to get the color right and they're going to be able to control the temperature better. Well, it turns out that I should stick to that advice because my developer was dead. Yeah. Um, I developed the role and it came <laughs> out and it was just blank. And I was so sad about that. And uh, lesson learned, I guess. Feel for you. Yeah, been there too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, like we've talked about this before, right? But the the people who say that C forty one is easy or easier than black and white, I, I just yeah. don't get it. I yeah, mean, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle so much with temperature, and and even if I develop it perfectly, um, I never seem to be able to scan the colors correctly either. And oh man, it's just it's just a hassle. So I there's a lab nearby that does it in an hour uh, for pretty cheap, and I, I think I'm just gonna go and use them in the future. I I think Mike Gutterman is one of those people that says it's it's easier than black and white. So yeah. Oh, it's bull. Oh, if Mike says it, you know, what can I say? Well, you know, Mike, get in touch with me and send me all of your tips and secrets because I, I just can't I can't do it. <laughs> um, you know, hey Johnny. I mean, with your sous vide, are you finding that? I don't know if you've used it yet, but is I it, haven't even broken that some bitch out the box other than to hold it up to my crotch and think, "Wow, this thing looks like a just a giant sex device." <laughs> thing is ridiculous. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I will. Yeah, I, I will get that out and use it. Actually, I was hoping to use it today, but I'm really hoping that that makes the process easier. I, you know, Perry, I have a theory on this. Um, I think people who who d- develop a lot of black and white and are, and are really into consistency, <laughs> I think that's why color processing drives them nuts, at least me, because, you know, if you say it's got to be 103 degrees or fine, 95, you can use other temperatures with C41, but you know, I want the water to really be that temperature for the entire time I'm developing, not get it there and let it fall and know it'll be okay for three minutes. It's like, no, if it's supposed to be that. So to me, I think if you're like, if you're really used to being consistent with your process, C41 is a real pain in the ass because Mm -hmm. it's much more exacting. Um, I, you know, it, it, it feels like more is going to go wrong if you're not consistent. So and that may or may not be true, but that's the way it's sort of presented. So I think it gets in your head that if you're not exactly on with everything, it's it's more difficult. And I know it bothers me because, you know, I get my temperature up to up to the right temp and it goes over and then you have to wait for the temp to fall back down for an hour. That yeah. drives me bonkers, you know. And you also have to bear in mind, like the temperature of your developing tank, because that's exactly Right. So that's what I'm saying. If you're really like going to do it with a level of consistency where you've tempered the tank and then et cetera, et cetera, it's a royal pain in the ass. Because yeah, and, and, and I, sorry, go on. No, I think that's it. I mean, it's, it, to I mean, me, it, it's doing it at, at such a high temperature, which is why I've, I've been experimenting with lower temperatures, like, you know, in the nineties range, 90 degree range, which you can do. You just extend the, the time to me. It's easier to keep, the temperature consistent at those levels. Cause I mean that 
that's the other thing that really bothers me is letting the tap run at a hundred and something degrees for an hour. I mean, you're wasting a lot of water. You're mm-hmm. wasting, you know, whatever you're using to heat the water. It just seems extraordinarily wasteful to me. <laughs> so maybe this sous vide thing will, you know, be the magic bullet. I, I, I hope it will help. Oh, that and the chemicals are disgusting. Okay. You know what? Oh, yeah. I have a little, I do a little sip of uh, Rodinol before I develop every single time. I've done that for years and it, it, you know, it's not nasty. It explains a lot. Yeah. It tastes good. It's helpful. Um, it's, it doesn't feel disgusting if you get it on your hands, but like C41 chemicals are just gross. They're slimy and disgusting and black and nasty. And, ah, and it, like, I actually had one time when I was uh, developing C41, you know, the lid on my, um, on my tank was due for replacement and it was like sliding off while I was processing because the chemicals are just so like slippery and nasty. So I actually had the lid like come off partway through (laughs) and I had to slam it back on. So just color processing is annoying. Oh, and don't even get me started on stabilizer. Come on. Yeah, my, my stabilizer always grows mold within, like, <laughs> days of mixing it. Which um, is the whole point of stabilizer, right? Is to make sure that stuff doesn't grow on your film. <laughs> right. It just grows on the stabilizer instead. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. It's yeah, like a decoy. Uh, <laughs> but on on, uh, on gross chemicals, like, I actually, for black and white, I actually um, have to wear gloves now when doing it because I've discovered that, like, HC 110, if it touches my skin, it just starts to like destroy my flesh. Um, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know if this happens to other people, but I just get like oh, yeah. really horrible like contact eczema from yeah, HC 110. I, I had to, I actually stopped. Uh, part, part of the reason I started shooting digital was that I had done processing for so many years that I got really sensitive to the chemistry. So I, and I, I mean, to the point where even if I didn't really get the liquid on me, I was still getting itchy and stuff. So I, you know, I, I, I basically stopped doing it for a while when I was heavy into digital. Um, and yeah, that, that's definitely a thing too. So I think appropriate, taking appropriate healthful, uh, precautions is a smart thing that, and I mean, right. again, you know, if you have a little sip of Rodinol every time you develop, I think you develop a natural affinity for it and it no longer does that. So that's, oh, I, I think, I think Graham from sunny 16 gets a hard time from Rachel for doing like cyanotypes in his kitchen. I think, <laughs> I think drinking Rodinol is significantly worse than no, that. No, 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 not at all. But but do let me know if the Cinestill thing works because I will for sure. Camera, yeah, because Camera Film Photo in Hong Kong is having a big sale right now until the fifteenth. Oh, cool! Um, and if it's good, I might I might pick that up because okay, the, the, the one that has worked for me, a C forty one kit, is the Roly Digibase C forty one ready to use kit, um, which is like is a three bath instead of a two, so the bleach and the fix are separated yeah. uh, instead of like a single blix, and it's designed to be used at like room temperature. Yeah, um, okay. and longer times rather than at at thirty eight. Um, so the times are just like written out on the the little what? weird chemical bottles, and that's worked really well for me uh, in the past. It just takes a really long time and doesn't last very long. It, well, and I will say the Cinestill kit. If you go to Cinestill's website and if you get their kit, they have times in there all the way through down to like I think almost room temperature. So you can yeah you, you can do it with other. 
you know, you can do it with pretty much any C41. It's just that the prevail. I think they do that because they feel like people are going to less likely to screw it up. If the development time is only three minutes versus, you know, 10 minutes. Um, but the results aren't the same when you do it at a lower temperature for a longer time. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I haven't really noticed a, a, a difference that way, but I mean, maybe there is some, yeah, because I've read that document, and I think it states explicitly that if you use lower temperatures, you're going to get like less contrast and less saturated colors or something like that. Uh, uh, could be, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Simon, how good are you at C41? Any any insight to share on our failures? Uh, I, I've done it once, and I ended up with a blank roll. That was, <laughs> and that was with new chemicals. <laughs> okay. Okay, so it's all, all three of us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, better men, you're wrong. But, yeah, well, I think on my case, it's just pure incompetence. So I, 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 I think my opinion's invalid on this one. Well, yeah, like no. I don't, I don't half-ass C41. Like I have a friend, a Swedish friend named Carl, who is um, a, 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 an engineer, and he specializes in like building air conditioning systems to be efficient and like equalize temperatures. So I've had him literally give me the formulas for like. If I have the temperature of the room, if I have the temperature of my tank, if I have the temperature of the chemicals, like how much I have to adjust each one so that they'll like equalize, right? I mean, I mean, I haven't implemented anything that he told me because I was like, there's no way I'm doing all this crap. Uh, but, <laughs> well, thanks anyway. But you know, yeah, I've gone through the theory, so I, I don't half-ass it, and I still just can't get uh, consistent results. I see. I, I haven't ever had a problem with getting consistent results. It's just the process to getting there to me is 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 too annoying. <laughs> I mean, I get I, no, I, no, fair enough. You know what I mean? I can get it to. I can get really great. Uh, the film, my my developing looks good. It's just it's just annoying. And even the scanning. I mean, I don't know. I maybe I've just got a workflow that works, but I don't find it all that difficult to get things right as far as color goes. Um, but now I, I can I can see why it it's difficult. I mean, it would it's way more tempting to just never shoot color film and just shoot black and white. But there's just times when you want to shoot color stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, I, um, yeah. yeah. I think that I think the key, uh, Perry, is to just shoot E6 because and just send it to a lab. No, develop it at home. You can do E6 at home. Oh, I've never actually tried E6 on my own. No. Yeah. So I have a, I have, this has been, of course, summer is like half over now. Right. But this was my summer project was I was going to shoot a ton of E6 and, you know, save it all up and develop it all at once. But, it, you know, it hasn't really been sunny for two months. Um, so there has very, been very little incentive for me to do that. But maybe now that uh, it has been nice for two days in a row, maybe it means I should just shoot some E6. I don't know. But that, anyway, that, yeah. e, e, E6 I think is is way easier once you have it processed. I I think it's way easier in terms of color workflow because the color is either right or it's not. It's very easy to tell, and it's it uh, to me it's not as difficult to you know to scan it and digitize it and make it look right. I think it's much more much easier. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, oh man, this is a topic we could go on for ages, right? Like, yeah. whenever, whenever I get un uneven development on C41, it's just like there's no saving this. <laughs> you've got like streaks of blue all over the place. And I'm like, what is causing this? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so with that in mind, uh, I, I went out and I shot color film again. Um, but this time I sent everything to a lab. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't at a protest. I went out to a sort of village on the outskirts of Hong Kong called Tai O to shoot some. Well, I originally went to shoot like the sunset and shoot some landscapes, but we got there early. So I was shooting some street photography at uh, sort of golden hour. And I had, um, I was shooting with my Bronica S2 and I had a, what was I shooting? Ektar and Fuji Pro 160 NS. Um, and then I shot a roll of Velvia 100 for the actual landscape part. And the, the funny thing was like, number one, I'm an idiot and I forgot to bring a strap. So I'm walking around uh, Tayo with my girlfriend, like holding this camera that is so heavy and just building up my biceps and losing gallons of water and sweat. Um, but then the other thing was like, when I was shooting, people didn't pay any attention to me, even though like it is literally impossible to be subtle with this camera. Um, but you know, we were talking about this earlier, but I think it's that that looking down through the waist level finder that literally just puts everybody at ease when I'm like standing in the middle of this narrow street photographing every single person who rides their bike or like runs past and like nobody cared. They were just like, you know, they, they know when I'm taking a picture because here, let me let me play the shutter sound for you. We had a request from, I think, <laughs> Ben Reynolds, right? Listen to this. Let me just remove the back dark slide this is not a quiet shutter listen to this <laughs> it's, it sounded like you just trapped something in there something that was living that's not anymore yeah it sounded like you snapped a wooden ruler in half <laughs> yeah it's like a norse thundercloud right but but it, i was i was pleasantly surprised with both the results and just how easy it was to shoot um on the street with this yeah yeah, I, I I think the waist level finder thing really makes a difference. <laughs> it just, I mean, it's there's it's not an accident that Roloflexes are great street cameras, or I mean, you know, Yashikas would you name your TLR, but I I think that's part of it for sure. Is just that you're you're looking down instead of pointing at someone. It's I think it's just part of it's a natural instinctual human reaction when something is staring at you <laughs> to, to feel a little uneasy you know yeah that, that eye contact of a photographer staring at you can be can be pretty off-putting yeah yeah i had that uh similar experience so as you know i'm, I'm not i'm not really big on uh street photography um but i had a, a recent uh trip to london and i had a you know tiny amount of time to try and do some and I, I didn't do many at all to be honest but the fact is though i was i was looking down through i was using the baby um baby roly um but i felt yeah it just seemed like the world didn't wasn't as bothered about what i was doing now that could have been about the fact that i was in london um i, I don't i don't really know but it did to me it did actually i did feel more comfortable uh doing it with that uh with with that that uh waist level finder yeah. And it's also a combination, I think, of um, what you were mentioning a couple episodes ago about uh, shooting with a camera that's obviously not a modern camera as well. Hmm. So the combination of that novelty factor plus the fact that you're looking down probably just makes people look at you and go, 
well, he'll, he's a weirdo. I'm just going to ignore him. Right. <laughs> nothing, nothing threatening here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, um, on that shoot, it, there was a funny moment where, um, we were walking by this part of town and then a group of photographers walked past us. And, uh, this, this woman who I know, a friend of mine was in that group and they were, so, so I started chatting with them and one of them, this other woman who I'd never met before, she was shooting with a Nikon Z7 or Z6. And on it was the optical block of a Leica 90 millimeter Somicron, the first version, um, mounted to a helicoid. And I pointed at it and I was like, yo, that's the optical block of a 90 Somicron on a helicoid, isn't it? That's cool. And she looked at me with this expression of like, what? <laughs> What is going on? How do you know what this thing on my camera is? <laughs> uh, so that was pretty fun. Perry, speaking of, of uh, street photography in Hong Kong, I hear you had a uh, meetup with Captain Cook this week. Yeah, um, Devlin Cook. Uh, he has, he's been to Hong Kong a couple times the last few months, and uh, we've been trying to meet up, but our schedules didn't mesh. But he was here for a longer layover this time, so... Uh, we met up three days in a row, which was super cool. Um, so day one, we we just met up to chat. And uh, he had his Olive M3 that he was getting CLA'd over here. Um, so I met up with him after work. And the second day, you know, after, after we kind of parted on uh, Wednesday, we left and he was like, we should actually go and do the hobby. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, so we met up uh, on Thursday afternoon and actually went shooting. Um, and because, you know, he told me that when he comes to Hong Kong, uh, he always shoots the same areas. And I asked him, like, oh, where do you shoot? And he was like, oh, he only shoots the areas that are near the camera shops. <laughs> because <laughs> because when, we, when we weren't shooting, like, basically he was dragging me around to, like, every camera shop that I knew about that he, he hadn't been to yet. I'm trying to strike up a rapport with everyone. Um, oh, and we saw some crazy stuff. Like I sent you guys a picture of one of their rare lenses in one of the shops, which was a Schneider Kreuznach um, 51.5 Xenon in original LTM mount. And I was just holding this thing going like, whoa. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we were gassing out a little bit, but then he had his M3 and his... Uh, m6 with him um and when his m3 was getting adjusted at a repair place he brought he's brought his m6 to come shooting with me and i brought my m2 that day and uh with the konica uc hexen on 35 millimeter f2 so i showed him a couple of neighborhoods in hong kong that i really like to shoot and we just spent the whole afternoon uh taking photos and at the end he basically started gassing out really hard about the m2 because its viewfinder is just so beautiful and clean. Uh, so then the next day when we met up, he kind of dragged me all over the place looking for a good deal on an M2, uh, <laughs> which he didn't find. But uh, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. So thanks thanks for that, Devlin. I was just going to um, say, let me, let me just bring, bring you back to that. I'm just interested yeah, yeah. now. So the, you're saying that he prefers the M2 viewfinder to the M6? Yeah. Um, for a really simple reason, which is the M6 viewfinder has frame lines within frame lines. Mm -hmm. right. uh, so if you have the 35 millimeter frame line, it also has the 135 millimeter frame lines in the middle. Right. Um, 
for the 28 millimeter frame line, you have the 90. And then for 50, the most annoying one on the M6, the 50 has the 75 millimeter like dotted frame lines in, inside. Hmm. Whereas the, uh, the M2, you have 35, you have 50, and you have 90. And like they appear on their own. And it, it's glorious. Mm. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing of beauty. And and my M2 has a particularly bright viewfinder. Like I've had two M2s, and this this one is much brighter uh, than the first one that I had. So yeah, he was playing with it, and he was just like, he wanted one so bad that he made me take him shopping. <laughs> I mean, Simon, you you have an M2, right? You've been you've been shooting with it. You, you yeah, must come on, know what Simon. I mean about the beautiful frame lines. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I haven't really been doing very well with that that camera, have I? Um, I think I think I'm on frame thirty five or thirty six, and I think it's been there for a very long time. Um, but it, it's but this is the thing. I, I've, I, I, as I've already said, I'm I'm not a street shooter, and I'm, I'm I'm struggling to think about when to actually use this camera if I'm not shooting street because I think well I'll. I'll just put, go use an SLR or or, or, or some, something else or go to a medium format camera or whatever, but I, I just can't... I, just, I struggle to see the point of the camera. I, lo- I love it. It's beautiful. I mean, I pick it up, I hold it, stroke it, you know, do all, do all of those things. And I don't want to get rid of it because it's so lovely, um, but I, I just don't seem to be motivated to use it at all. You're, you're still on your first roll? Yeah. <laughs> it's been in there for a year. Oh my god! So wait, what is it? Um, why why do you feel like you can't go out? I mean, yeah, the Leica it really excels at. I think the two types of photography that you do the least, right? Like street photography and portraits of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and but but I mean, it, it's the perfect camera with its size to slip in your bag and just go shooting street around, you know, Stoke on Trent, right? Or when if if you're in other parts of the UK. Well, I, th- I think that's that's one of one of the issues because I, d- I don't particularly want to go shooting in the town centre of Stoke-on-Trent, um, and 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 that's and I think this is going to apply to 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 a few places. I mean, it's uh, I'm not saying that it's an unsafe place or anything like that, but it absolutely isn't. Um, but it, it, it you just feel. Um, like when, I, like I say, when I was in London, I just felt like that was a place that was going to be a, a, a lot more accepting to uh, people taking a photograph of of of, strange, of strangers. Uh, whereas in you know locally, you just feel that's just not it's just the wrong thing to do, and and therefore you don't. So I just feel like if I do want to take that kind of uh, photography, um, I've got to go. A distance to do it and I, I don't really have the opportunities to to go to these places that are more tourist friendly i think that's perhaps the best 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 way of putting it so uh I, you know, arguably i could go out there and try it with my tlr maybe uh, but i don't i don't think i'll feel any any more comfortable using that than any any other camera so this the, the thing with um shooting street is there are so many different approaches you can take to it right uh, there's like the obnoxious Bruce Gilden style where you're flashing people in the face. You've got kind of like animal mystery style street portraits, the flaneurism. Um, and like, th- there's all kinds of different like philosophies and approaches to it. And, f- you know, for, for me, part of the appeal comes from, I think, trying to capture the the spirit or ethos or vibe of a place. But, you know, even even I still very frequently get the apprehension about 
shooting people and kind of not knowing if they're how they're going to react because I have had some negative reactions. But what, one one style of street that I think might be fun if that's your worry is one thing that I really like to do is just find a composition like almost like an urban landscape that yeah. I really like. Set up, pre-focus, you know, set your camera up, and then just wait. Um, and when the right action happens, then you fire the shutter. And, you know, if people notice you, just don't take your eye away from the camera and just keep shooting the scene because then they'll just assume you're shooting something behind them or something like that. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and that way I think you avoid um, the the source of apprehension that you're talking about, but you can still at least finish the role. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a fair point. And I think when I actually took a few shots of, of that nature when I was in London, uh, so I was, uh, it's a at the railway station uh, wait, waiting for the train, and uh, I, f- I found myself somewhere to sit down, and I realised, oh, this isn't a bad spot, and I'll just just wait until things come come along and, and happen. So that's probably actually most of the shots that that that, that I got there. Um, and it's I like I do actually like that style of um, of street photography, especially when you can find uh, juxtapositions of. Uh, although it's getting a little bit of a cliche now, although you can argue so what, um, uh, where you've I don't know you've got this this beautiful model um, of a photograph uh, and then there's a, somebody walking past eating a pie or, or, or some, something like that so, so you get these juxtaposition photos um, which yeah, there are quite a few of them out there but I, I really like them I think they're just, just fun photos so uh, you, you know when it comes to shooting street I think Simon you're right that every place is quite different and you know in, in Hong Kong one of the things that I find challenging is like the language barrier sometimes um, but Johnny, I'm curious. You know, you shoot a lot of street as well. What What's it like shooting in in Chicago and uh, uh, the interactions you've had with people? Because I mean, Chicago has such a rich history of street photography. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I I think it's a pretty easy place to do it. Quite honestly, people don't seem to be bothered too much by it. I mean, it's there's a type of person that's instantly pissed off by it, and there's plenty mm-hmm. of those. Um, but I, I, I feel like I'm fairly non-confrontational the way I do it. I don't really tend to get in people's faces too much. Um, I, I, I tend to like just, uh, stay in a spot and let things play out. I'm probably more of that style than the kind of get in your face style. Um, uh, so I, I, so I haven't had a lot of bad experiences in Chicago that way. Um, a few but for the most part not so but i think a lot of it is just kind of familiar familiarity with um the place is a big part of it and just the way you kind of carry and present yourself um and just your body language and openness and you know if i'm never unsure about a situation i just smile at someone and that's usually enough and everything's okay. So I, I don't know. I, I, um, but it's, but that said, I mean, I've, <laughs> I tell this story a lot, but, uh, that time I tried to do the same style of street photography in Derry in Northern Ireland and approached it the same way I would in Chicago. And people were just like giving me these looks like, you know, I'm going to kneecap you, um, <laughs> which they probably were, <laughs> but, but I mean, but then again, you know, context right context in chicago is very different than the context in 
in Derry where they're used to being surveilled, literally, <laughs> and probably not, not with good intentions either. So I, I, so I, it's, I think so much of it is just the place, the particular place. And I can understand what Simon means about why it might be difficult in his environment. You know, it's, and it, that's the other thing is just, there's so many people in Chicago passing by, um, especially in the loop. There's literally, you know, a million plus people that come to work every day in the downtown Chicago in this relatively small area. And then they, most of them leave and go home. So it's this big temporary daily home for people. And I, I think it's very, it's a place that people are very familiar in unless they're tourists or whatever. So there's this sense of it being, um, just a very familiar place to most of the people that are walking around in it. And you see a lot, I see a lot of the same people every day. Um, so it's, it's, I don't know. It just seems like it's an easier environment to do it, uh, by nature. And, and I think that, I think that's true. I think it really, like I said, it really depends on the environment and the place. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about using, uh, TLRs to shoot yeah. street and, um, I know that that Vivian Meyer uh, used to frequent your shop. Yeah. Um, did you ever hear her talk about you know or or learn about how she shot street back in the day? Well, I mean, my my the owner of the shop has talked about that. I never heard her talk about photography. I I never heard her talk about photography. I mean, the funny thing is. I didn't realize it was her. Uh, I didn't realize I was seeing her the many times I was in central camera at that time period. I was just like this lady who looked kind of like a bag lady, which in American colloquialism is sort of like not necessarily a homeless person, but someone who is a bit eccentric and, you know, tends to wear odd clothes at odd times of year and that sort of thing. So I, I had seen her in there quite a few times, and never heard her talking about photography. And I remember seeing her on the street, but never seeing her take photos. Um, uh, but yeah, the owner at Central Camera, he, he knew her quite well, as did several of the people who worked there. And there were only a few people that she would work with, apparently. She was very particular about uh, people that she would, she would talk to, especially men uh, who worked at the shop. But there were a couple that she liked and that she wanted to work with and... Um, but to hear the owner kind of tell the story about her, it, you know, I think because her photos seem so candid, um, there's an assumption that she was sort of like sneaking around and, you know, taking photos very much on the sly. And, and, and I guess she very much said straight out that that wasn't her style, um, that, that she felt it needed to be respectful and she would ask and she, you know, it, it, it's, it was a different approach that I think because she was a woman, she was smaller. She seemed unassuming. I think a lot of things worked in her advantage that way. Um, but, but you know, by, by all accounts that I've heard, she had a style that was very much the not in your face, uh, style of doing it. And that to me makes sense looking at her images, uh, because it, uh, they look very candid. And even if the person being photographed was aware there was probably a, a sense that she was very either an eccentric or not threatening or I, part of it too is i just think it's the era i think people just didn't care in the 50s yeah. and 60s the way they do now because they they did there wasn't a sense of living in a surveillance society which is what we have now and i frankly i 
I think people have every right to be annoyed if someone sticks a camera in their face. So, yeah. you know, so I, 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 I think a lot of it was just the era as well. Yeah. And, and I guess Vivian Meyer didn't become famous uh, until posthumously. No. Right? Yeah, uh, exactly. So there wouldn't have been that, you know, if she walks into your shop, Oh, it's Vivian Meyer. I'm no, <laughs> exactly. yeah, exactly. I mean, it would have been now, of course, but no, back, then, like I said, I was in the shop with her, you know, many times as a customer and didn't realize she was anyone. I mean, it didn't, you would have had no sense of that, you know? Um, the other one that, that I think I've also mentioned that I don't know that anybody really knows outside of Chicago is Gary Stochel. Um, and his photos are, to me, I think his photos are amazing. And he kind of had a moment of fame similar to the Vivian Meyer effect back in the mid, oh God, was it 90, 95 or 2000? I guess it was the early 2000s, 2005. He had this kind of moment where he was, you know, sort of discovered, right? Um, and I don't know what's happened to him since then. I haven't seen him for several years, but I used to see him all the time in the loop walking around with his Leica. Like all, I would see him almost every day. Um, and I, I talked to him a couple times and he was very unassuming It's the same sort of thing. Like his, the way he carried himself and the way he just sort of like the way he worked, it was very, very non-threatening, <laughs> I guess is the only way I can think to say it. Um, so I, so much of it, I think is just like body language. It doesn't matter the type of camera. It doesn't matter the color of camera. It's, it's much more just how you, how you carry yourself and how people seem to relate to you. Absolutely. I mean, that last point is so important before uh, any listeners start gassing out and going and, you know, buying a Rolleiflex or a Leica. To yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was talking I was talking to Devlin about this. Um, we were talking about some of our favorite photographers uh, and he was telling me that he's got this thing where he he likes to find out what gear his that photographers, uh, his favorite photographers shoot with. And then yeah. he'll start like getting gas for that stuff. Um, but I told him that. I used to be like that too until I read about what Dorothy Lang would shoot street photography with. Uh, and Dorothy Lang, uh, for anyone who doesn't know her, she's the the photographer who shot in the 30s, I think. Um, and she has that, her most famous picture is the migrant mother uh, portrait, yeah. where it, it, if you get a chance, looking at her contact sheet is really interesting because you can see that she starts that photo from quite far away with like a photo of their tent. And then she gets like closer and closer and closer uh, yeah. until she makes that final image. And I, I think recently there was a bunch of her work that was either, either censored or not released um, until recently. And it's, it's quite like topically relevant. But anyway, the point is she would shoot all this kind of documentary street photography with three cameras uh, she shot with a four by five, I think a Graflex, um, a view camera, and an eight by ten. Yeah, <laughs> which is right <laughs> up your alley, Simon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so once I found that out, I was like, "All right, you know what? If she can shoot street photography with an eight by ten and a view camera, like I'm gonna stop chasing after <laughs> you know what? What did Cartier Bresson shoot with? I'm gonna go <laughs> buy one of those. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Simon, maybe that's the answer to your woes. I just need to go out with a bigger camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, feel, your I'll, biggest... I'll feel safer uh, with a, with a bigger camera, and uh, that that'll probably do the job. 
I'm just picturing Simon and Stoke on Trent under his dark cloth and having kids like <laughs> throwing, <laughs> throwing beer bottles at him and stuff. <laughs> uh, it's uh, I, I I need to defend my city a little bit. It's, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, yes, I I don't particularly want to go shooting shooting street, but um, it's a it's a good place with nice people. Um, we just don't like having. <laughs> Cameras pointed at us. Um, <laughs> and the other part, it's me as well. Let's face it, it's me. I, I, I feel really uncomfortable. And there are many people like me, of course. And uh, and I, who knows, if, if, if Anal Mystery ever decided to uh, come up to, to Stoke, he dragged me around to the, 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 the centre, which is... Um, town called Hanley and uh, and I, I just imagine him just just meeting people and 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 everybody being really really charming to him and uh, posing <laughs> for their pictures and, and they all then just like look at me and say see Simon yeah, yeah. That's all you have to do. Just talk to them. Just talk to them. Say nice things, you know. So um, yeah, it's 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 me rather than uh, the place. I'm sure it is. <laughs> um, anyway, let's uh, let's let's move on and do an update on what we were doing last week because uh, we had some challenges um, set uh, for us and I think we should do uh, get an update on, on where you are Johnny um, and uh, your your challenge uh, was to take some bokeh photographs uh, because that's something that uh, you've been studiously avoiding you won't even use that word um, and it's it's also been sort of widened a little bit to, for you to be going out and, and taking close-ups of flowers uh, and things and uh, notice notably um, this it was picked up that you know you you've, you've only really half arsed half arsedly uh, picked up this this challenge because uh, I did actually ask you to do this with a digital camera and you flat out refused to do that and you would only do it with a with a camera that you just like at a at a, a roll end in there that you were just thinking well I need to do something with this so yeah I'll I'll just do that challenge so how have you been getting on Johnny. <laughs> Uh, I okay, so I did finish off the role in my 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 uh, Patri Penta. Um, I threw uh, I threw the uh, Prima Plan on there, the fifty eight one point nine, and I and I oofted my cat in the window. I oofted my cat, so I shot it at or close to wide open. I took oh probably at least six pictures. Oof. Um, and they are waiting to be developed. So I did actually do it. I don't have anything to show yet for it, but that's most of my photography anyway, is just doing it and never showing it. So um, so I have done it. And I'm still thinking I might actually just put it. No, actually, never mind. I'm not going to do that. I, I would shoot some more on film because that lens is horrible on the Fuji. It, maybe it's better on... But that's not true too, because again, it's just me. It's not the lens; it's me. I can't get good pictures with that lens. But I, because I know people had have shot it on full frame, shot it on a half frame, they can get fine, just fine pictures. And I just don't like anything that I get with that lens on anything I've shot so far. So we'll see what the film shots look like in black and white. Maybe those will be more pleasing. In black and white. Yeah. I was gonna say that too. Yeah. Oh. I'm not gonna have. I don't have a color roll in that camera. <laughs> 
You always shoot color too. I, I mean, only a couple of days ago you hadn't actually done anything. So I'm, and then, right. and now you've turned up today and you said, yeah, yeah, I've done it. I've taken six shots. I'm thinking, well done, Johnny. This is this is this is this is great <laughs> stuff. And now and now we're learning that they were they were in black and white as well. Well, so. of course they were black and white. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. I I could I could I suppose I could find. All right, okay. I so I have a roll of. Uh, portrait no, 800 no, that's been no. sitting in a half frame no, camera for Johnny, about a year. No, exactly. I could I no, could finish that one up. No, no. Put it on the Fuji. Put it on the Fuji. Oh, uh, but it sucks go, on the Fuji. It, it just, just does. Just, just, just make it work. Oh make my it God. work. All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Johnny's I'm not this. using a goddamn focal reducer though. Actually I sold my focal reducer, so that solves that problem. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> just stay with the fact then, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. all kinds of flowers in the neighborhood. I'll go shoot some tiger lilies. How's that sound, oh, people? That, that's, that I'll great. go shoot some tiger lilies on my Fuji with the whatchamacallit, the Prima plant. Excellent. And you can see and you can all see how bad I am at this and why I don't do it. No, okay. Oh, I, I, not, I don't know where this conception has come from that Johnny doesn't like flower photos because I've never said thing one yeah. bad about flower photos. And furthermore, furthermore, I think that I would even use the B word because that's what it is in this case. Boca photos of flowers are the perfect example of how to do Boca photos because there's actually a subject in the frame. <laughs> as yeah. opposed to a picture of nothing but bokeh so yes to me flower photos with lots and lots of bokeh is perfectly appropriate because that's what the whole point of those that subject that that style of shooting is to me it totally makes sense so i have no problem with those kind of photos actually i'm fine and, and i'm gonna those. defend johnny here because uh back in episode 69 when I did Desert Island. Harry, how do you remember uh, this stuff? Well, he, he was there hey, on that one. <laughs> yeah, I was there on that one, yeah. And, and he, before I joined, I, I did listen to this podcast quite religiously. Um, and I actually have, I was telling Simon before we recorded, I have a couple of favorite episodes that I go back to when my list of podcasts, like, it gets exhausted on my commutes. Uh, the Bob Rodoloni episode and the Jason Lane one are particularly good. Um <laughs> but anyway, so back on that one, the when we were talking about the Taylor Hobson uh, Reed lens, we were searching the photography with Classic Lenses group for anyone who had shared pictures with that particular lens, and, and no one had. But in that search from way, way back many years ago, there are a bunch of pictures that you posted yeah. with a Taylor Hobson, I think a C-mount lens. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, the C-mount. Which were flower photos with some crazy psychedelic color filter on them. Yeah. And there were yeah, a yeah. ton of these. Yeah, yeah. I love that lens. So, yeah. I'll shoot so that. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go shoot that today on digital if you want. That's that's an easy one. I no, love that lens. No, it's got to be with the primer. Oh, primer. you bastard. But do take but take those shots anyway. Yeah. yeah take take, take, take both that's that's the thing, take both lenses. No. Oh. Will that psychedelic color filter fit on the Prima plan? No, no, it's like so that lens, I I should probably just post a picture of that lens. It's this it's this little C mount lens that has that uh 
that coat of color and it's the old coat of color, which was, I, we could do a whole topic on this, but it's the old coat of color process where it shot on black and white with a color filter. And then you projected with the color filter, the black and white film, and you got color film. It was amazing. Um, so it's that lens on a, you know, a Fuji. So it's actually on a larger sensor than it was intended to cover. And it, so you get all the crazy edge stuff, but it's very sharp in the center. Um, and you get all the swirliness and because of the color filter, you know, in color shooting in color, you get that, that crazy color stuff to it. So I love, I love that lens. <laughs> I love shooting Wait, it what, in, what, on digital. What lens was it specifically? Uh, it's yeah. Taylor Hobson, cook uh cine lens i have to find it but it but it's got with a coat of color filter it was specifically meant for using use on a on a kodak uh cine camera for shooting the the color process oh that's cool yeah it's it's really cool yeah it's really cool yeah, I, mean, I, I just cool stumbled upon I stumbled upon that lens at a um, the infamous estate sale that I went to where I bought all sorts of amazing stuff and also missed all sorts of amazing stuff. But I got it at that estate sale for like like ten dollars. So oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a major find. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll drag that thing out uh, if that'll make you guys happy. Well, it'll only make Simon happy if it's if he's forcing me to use the other lens too, I know that. So, yeah, I mean, I only brought it up as, as concrete evidence that you do not in fact have anything against flower. <laughs> no, I do not. I really don't. <laughs> Speaking of being unfairly maligned or fairly in this case, uh, <laughs> do you want <laughs> oh, to me with a lens? <laughs> so, so Simon, do you want to talk with us about your, your Tessar? <laughs> Yeah, um, Tessars. Um, I've been having a great time with Tessars. I mean, just yeah. I think I, I'm not sure if you quite uh, grasp what I've just said there, but um, I've been having a great a great time with Tessars because I was actually out shooting um, Tessars last night, and I had, I had a really really good time. I think they're fantastic lenses. Um, I was uh, in a forest, and there's a stream. And I uh, got my camera set up and uh, I had a choice of Tessars um, that I was using. I was shooting FP4 and um, yeah, yeah. So great, great, great lenses. What can I say? Which on your, on your On your 4x5. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that, that was not... Uh... That was not the uh, bigotry you were assigned to overcome. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, so we, we, we're now bringing it back to Tessars on 35 millimeter uh, or full full frame between 40, 45 millimeters and 50 millimeters. Uh, that, that that range of Tessars is that is that the one you mean? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It's it's been killing me. Um, I've, 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 I've got a, a specific Tessar here. I mean, it's not called a Tessar. It's an Industar. Um, it's not really an N because I think that the diagonal goes the wrong way, but I'm still going to call it an N anyway. Um, so it's an Industar N-26M, uh, um, a Fed lens, um, LTM 39 lens. 
and I've got it on a helicoid and I think, well, I'll just go out into the garden and, uh, you know, get the minimum focus time because Tessars are rubbish at minimum focus usually. Um, what? So, yeah. They are. What are you talking about? Of course they are. Or is it, or is it just, oh no, it's because it's an LTM lens. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the, 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 the M42 uh, Carl's Ice Tessar, yeah, you can, I think you can actually get quite close with that one if you really yeah. wanted to. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, I've, I've, I've just really struggled. I've really, really struggled. Um, I, 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 it's, it's just so dull. I mean, I mean, I can go out and and do some if I was if I was inclined to do some street shooting. I, I could do that. I could stop it down to five point six or f eight or yeah, go f eight and be there, and and it would do a, a perfectly good job. And there'd be absolutely nothing wrong with it. And and frankly, you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between this, a Tessar and a and a planar when you've when when you've stopped them down for that kind of shooting. But that's that's not really what we're about, is it? We we like uh, lenses with character, and and uh, it just it just hasn't been doing it for me so far. Uh, well, how about you get like you shoot it relatively like a normal lens? You you could shoot like a, you could, you got kids and dogs and all sorts of stuff. You could shoot it f four at 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 eight feet away and see what it looks like. Well, kid, kids you could dogs. even put it on your M two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, well, kids, kids, yeah, and how long is it going to be before you see the photos? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, well, kids and dogs are important shots, you know. So, um, you know, yeah. I, use a, I use a proper lens for that. Um, oh. I'll, I'll, I'll keep on trying. You know, the, the, whole, the whole thing is trying, and um, I, I tell you what, I think it's, it's. I think it's partially because of this particular lens, um, uh, which I'll be selling on eBay quite soon. Um, so <laughs> I, won't, I, won't, um, I won't do it down too much, but it's it's fine for what it is. Um, but if you if you want to sneak around the garden doing bokeh shots of flowers, it's 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 not good. Um, but I was I was racking my brain um, for I think I've asked people say okay, so there are different there are different tessars out there that, and I'm damning all of these tessars with the with the same brush. And um, people say, yeah, but there's lots of different ones, and nobody's actually come come back to me and say, uh, give me an example of a good Tessar between 45 and 50 mil. Uh, okay, well, well, hmm. I've actually thought of one, but you tell me, you, you give me your suggestion. I was going to suggest a Zenon, or not, sorry, not a Zenon, a Zenar. The Schneider, to me, the Schneider Zenars are my favorite Tessar variants. I don't know if it's the the glass of the coatings or whatever it is, but they, to me, they are. The best of the best in terms of color and rendering so that's where i would go you could i would get go it. with the oh sorry go on no go ahead that's it i, was, I would go with the top core uh 53.5 oh yeah nice actually i just i've just remembered i've got a um oh what is you it? must have a schneider zenar somewhere no i've got no i haven't i've i've got a i've got a a Xenon, but I haven't got a Xenon. Um, and obviously the Xenon's much better anyway. Uh, that's different, yeah. Yeah, different that's right. Yeah, it's not a Tessar. And, um, yeah. but I've, I, I do have a, I think a, a, an early uh, 35, is it a 35 2.8 Tessar on the contacts, contacts mount? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got one of those. You I do have that lens, that's right. I forgot you, yes, you yeah. do. And I think I've actually taken two good photographs with that, that lens. 
So yeah. I might, I might, I might just have to revisit that one. But the other, the other lens I had in mind that actually might be interesting. Well, it's not might be interesting. I know it is actually a decent lens, and I like it. And it, and it's the Industar sixty one LZ uh, or LZ. Um, not the there are two of them on 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 those the sixty one L that's it LD. Um, not that one. Uh, that's pretty much, I think, more or less the same as this uh, Industar N26, I think. Um, but no, the uh, the LZ, uh, which is has got, I don't think it's a true macro lens, but it, it it you can get very very close with it. And I've used that lens a couple of times, and whenever I've used it, I thought this this is nice. It's it it, it it's uh, I, would, I would describe it really. It's 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 pretty sharp, but the it just renders really nicely. Um, overall. is that is that the one with the crazy star-shaped aperture yeah that that and the volna 9 um mm, they sort okay. of separated at birth i think i'm not i'm not entirely sure if the volna is also a tesso or not but uh but the the industor definitely is and yes i think it uh, i think it might be around about 5.6 or something like that you get these weird um star-shaped uh things it's a christmas bokeh yeah, it's great for Christmas um, shots of your Christmas tree tree lights and things like that. So, so, um, so that's a that's that I, I do actually quite like that lens. Uh, but that's that's pretty much the only one. And may, maybe this uh, this this Tessar, which I, I don't even know why I've why I've kept it to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll 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 mount that this week and see if I can get something out of it. And I think it'll be okay as well because I mean it's a very old lens, so it's it's bound to be quite quirky and i think also by the standards of the day it was one of those lenses that was um, i think they pushed the design to get it to 2.8 um, and i think the 3.5s are generally considered to be sharper but they're just 3.5s and obviously 2.8 is better because 2.8 is better uh, but uh, i think that's just a bit of vanity uh, simon if you are going to shoot that lens don't shoot star-shaped bokeh shots because you got to appreciate <laughs> the character of the tessar and not like the weird aperture exactly well i have well i haven't got, i haven't got the lz anyway so i, I can't um i've had a, i've had a couple of them they've uh, they've, ah. they've they've gone um but so i, I can't don't worry there's going to be no uh, strange bokeh although i can do really strange bokeh because I, I can always uh i've got some waterhouse stops for my um my petswell 58 uh f 1.9 uh, so because you change the aperture by dropping uh, different uh different size uh waterhouse stops in there uh, usually circular uh, but they also supply you with snowflakes and hearts and stuff like that um if you if you feel so inclined all right i think we have the i i think i i have the perfect lens for simon and I, I think that Simon, and I'm just looking to see if there's one available really cheap that you can get, because I'm almost positive you can get this lens for under $50. Yes. Okay. So you have a DKL adapter yes. over there, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think you need a, a Retina Zenar 50 millimeter. There's a 45 millimeter and there's a 50 in DKL mount. And I think you need to get one of those, and that's what you need to try because you can get. I'm you can definitely get this lens for in the fifty dollar range, and I think that would be the one. I'm looking at one now, forty five mil, 
$24.99. That seems cheap. Ah. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a catch. Uh, yeah. It's probably it's, it's nasty. It, well, no, it, it's been ripped off. It's, I think it's just the lens that's been ripped off a, a fixed a fixed camera. Okay. Uh, yeah, if it's got to be a decal. You yeah. need a decal mount. $39.99 for a Tessar. Not well sure. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I'll keep I'll keep my eye open. Uh, okay. Because these, these right. things do 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 pop along, and I I wonder if I've... Hmm. yeah no I was just just thinking aloud there I was I was thinking if we actually do have one of these knocking around on the camera which I just couldn't be bothered. That's what I yeah I was wondering if you might just yeah. have one around somewhere. Yeah. yeah, you never know. Well, if I have, I'll I'll, I'll give it a go. But in the meantime, okay. I, I do All have right. that uh, uh, that contacts lens, so I'll uh, I'll I'll give that a go this week. So All right. that's uh, that's Johnny and I, and um, so let's let's move on to the to the main event now, <laughs> um, because <laughs> um, what started all this off was a uh, was was two weeks ago uh, when uh, Perry was uh, given a list of his budget lenses, all all, all of which were uh, <laughs> um, stretching the term budget to uh, to to its limit, and. Uh, and then uh, Perry then came on to I say I, I I love old lenses and cheap lenses and things like that. You know, some of my best friends are old lenses and uh, you know, <laughs> and just just generally protesting way too much. And um, so um, we last week we invited our listeners uh, to suggest um, cheap lenses that uh, Perry might find uh, interesting enough uh, to actually enjoy using. And uh, the way we did that was we asked people to uh, contribute on a uh, post that I put up in our our Facebook group, um, Classic Lenses Podcast Facebook group, and we we have had quite a few suggestions. Um, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to run through these suggestions, and we need to whittle this down to a short list of three because once we've actually got this short list, uh, we're going to put a poll up in our Facebook group. And uh, people can vote on the lens that uh, that, that Perry's going to use. Um, now, some of these lenses, the first three that I'm going to read out are lenses that Perry's already got. So these aren't going to count. So, uh, but, so we'll go through those first and uh, and then we'll, we'll do a, a deeper dive into uh, the lenses that uh, Perry hasn't tried. Okay, so uh, uh, the first lens that came in from uh, Leo Lai uh, was the Pentacom. 50 millimeter f 1.8 which is a good shout as a uh as a, a cheap interesting lens but uh perry's got that one um do you, do. Actually, do you use that one perry i do not <laughs> but you won't want <laughs> you, you have it or you don't use it okay i've had it for about 12 years <laughs> yeah yeah i've <laughs> taken it apart but i've never actually like really used it seriously <laughs> <laughs> See that that's a that's a lens that I I often recommend to people as a as a great budget lens or a great starter lens for classic lenses and I don't use it myself um, and I've got one that I don't use and I really should because I mean the, the I mean you go over onto photography with classic lenses onto that Facebook group and some amazing photographs have been taken yeah. with that lens. Um, it has loads of character and it has an absurdly long focus through. At least the M forty two one that I've got with the button press. Uh, that stops down the aperture yeah yeah well there you go it's uh um i think you should just get out get that out and have a go at it anyway uh, press go and take some bokeh shots 
Um, and uh, the uh, the next one, uh, which has been uh, suggested by Andy Shields, um, is the Jupiter Eight, um, which is a, a lens that you you have. Um, yep, have it. I really like it. It's good. Yeah, and in, interestingly, uh, just come in just in time. Um, Eric Sluice has also suggested the Jupiter Eight, um, except he's suggesting that you should you should be using the pre nineteen fifty four version. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm not too sure what the difference is there, but the fact is that you already like the Jupiter Eight and you've already got one. I think that pretty much rules that one out. Uh, but yep. but uh, thanks for uh, chipping in there right at the end, uh, Eric. Um, and then the the last lens, which is, and this came as a bit of a surprise to me uh, that you've already got one, um, was came in from James Giordano uh, when he suggested the Lomo T forty three, which has been ripped off a Smina camera or a Cosmic camera. Um, but you've already got Simon, one. I'm gonna send you a bottle of ginkgo uh, supplements to help with memory because <laughs> on episode fifty eight, I specifically brought up this lens as an example. Of yeah. a cool lens that I bought just to see what it was like. Even I remember that said, time. And come yeah. on, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and Carl had one too. I think well, Johnny, do you have I've one? Got as one. Well? <laughs> I think I, I think I remember saying I nearly had one and I want one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I'll, I'll I'll edit this out and then nobody will ever know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now that's cheating. <laughs> okay then. Uh, okay, so uh, as as we all know, you've got a T forty three lens, um, and, and James and James should have known that anyway. Of course, you know, uh, being a listener of the podcast, so uh, so um, so yeah, so they they they've all been ruled out. So um, we have some other lenses now, which uh, you you have not tried. And again, I'm going to I'm reading these things out in the chronological order uh, that they came in. So uh, Leo Lai. Uh, it suggested the Pentacon 51.8, and uh, which you ruled out immediately, and um, he then suggested the Konica 40 millimeter f 1.8. This is one that I would actually be really keen to try because um, I have played with some Konica AR lenses and, and quite enjoy them. Um, 40 millimeter, I think I might actually like it on my Sony or a kind of SLR style, style body. Because now that I've had the Leica CL for a couple of weeks, I've been carrying it around in my bag um, all the time because it's so small. And I love the camera, and I really like the 40 Summicron. But I'm finding that like the difference between 40 and 35 on a rangefinder is very, very noticeable to me. Mm -hmm. Like When I'm framing stuff on the 40, I'm finding that either I'm just cutting a little bit out uh, more than I would want, or like I just wish I would have... like. 5% more width and it's a little bit shocking that, that 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 it's such a difference but like I'm really noticing it so I think that maybe on a Sony where I don't have like the ability to see outside the frame lines like you do on a rangefinder it'll be um, a bit more fun to play with so yeah I, I, that's definitely one that I would put on any shortlist that we have that'd be cool I'm, I'm quite oh. disappointed that Johnny didn't uh, come in with a comment that you just said there so I'll <laughs> he's off no, I, I love that. I love that lens. I, I think that to me, I would love to see Perry try that one and see what he thinks of it. 
I don't think you quite got the, the the bit I was uh, I was talking about there, Johnny. But uh, we'll we'll move we'll move swiftly on. No, from, no, no. From that five percent extra thickness. Uh, oh. Uh, um, but uh, no, the, uh, the the the. At least when I make dick jokes, everyone gets them, Simon. Jeez. Uh, but the but the uh, the forty one point eight. I I I really like that lens. Um, yeah. It yeah. has a some places you when you when you read up about it they'll they'll talk about it as being one of the sharpest lenses ever it's not uh but it's a it's a really good lens uh it's a it's a it's it's nice to use i mean the 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 aperture rings a little bit iffy on them in fact that goes with most conica slr lenses um but uh, yeah it's a it's a, it's a sweet lens and it can be bought uh, pretty cheaply. Uh, interestingly, the, the, usually, the, and I've, we've said this kind of thing before, but um, I find the cheapest way to buy that lens is actually stuck to a camera. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so look for auto reflex TCs and uh, usually yep. one of those stuck on it. And uh, uh, nobody wants the camera, but uh, yeah, the, the lens is great. Um, yeah, it's not super cheap here. There's, I've only seen a couple listed when I searched earlier, and they're, they're all like a hundred pounds. Oh, right. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, that yeah. might be why they're not selling, but well, yeah, yeah. Could, but uh, I'm, I'm sure I can, I can get something that's a decent price. But don't forget, uh, once something's been picked, uh, we are, we're going to buy this lens uh, for Perry, who's going to enjoy it, um, <laughs> and, um, and then once he's enjoyed it and taken great photographs, uh, we're, we're going to give it away somehow. We haven't worked out how we're going to give it away yet. So, uh, but we, we will find one of these lenses. Okay. So Don't tell me how to feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, okay. So that's, that's the, uh, the, the, the Konica. And we, we already know that, uh, Perry's up for that one at the moment. Um, then we have the Yashinon. Uh, this is from Mike Novak. Uh, friend of the show um, who was sort of a guest on the show and then the show got completely hijacked we, we really need to get Mike back and uh, yes, um, we do. Yeah, especially if he's got a decent mic this time as well so he, he doesn't sound like he's talking down some kind of plastic tube uh, to us so uh, yeah we need to get you back Mike um, on the show that is and uh, so yeah the Yashinon 50mm f2 um, have you got any knowledge of that that lens, Perry? Uh, no, this is the first I heard of it when he he uh, mentioned it, and I googled it, and it looks cool. So yeah. I'm totally up to try this lens. I mean, it's like it's got that sort of like chrome and black mix. So yeah, yeah. I'm up for this. How about you, Johnny? <laughs> I really like that lens. I, I just I have a thing for I think we discussed this, but I I think fifty f two is the magic sweet spot for slr lenses because that they're just they're perfect so I, I i'm a big fan of that one and I, again there's another one i think perry should really try yeah of, of all the lenses that people suggested this is top of my list of ones that i would want to try yeah yeah and i i'm i'm pretty sure this is uh, one of those ubiquitous tommy oka made lenses um, because I had a Mamaya lens again, 50 f2 looks near identical to it, and that's one of the those those lenses that I wish I never sold. Um, it's, it's yeah, it's a it's a beautiful rendering lens. So uh, excellent lens, yep. excellent choice there. Um, moving on uh, from Mark. Oh dear, it's a Dutch name. Sorry, Mark. I'm going to have a go at it now. Um, <laughs> uh, um, 
I actually had to go practicing this earlier and I could do it. I've completely forgotten how I said it. Um, but Mark Kleidmans, I'm sure that's absolutely awful, but there you go. I'm not going to repeat it. Um, but thank you for your suggestion, Mark. Um, I can do that bit right. Um, um, and uh, he's put in a comment there that it's cheap and super swirly. So the Cossinon 50mm f1.8. Um, thoughts on that, Perry? Uh <laughs> I'm, I'm very uh i'm very lukewarm about this lens <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. no 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 real no no how about, how about you johnny i i don't really have anything to add on that one no yeah I, I'm, I'm at the lukewarm stage on that one as well <laughs> although it's better than the tesla yeah that, that's that's about as good as i can say about it really um i've not why why did you Sorry, go on, go on. I was going to say, I've not, I've not actually tried that lens. Um, so I, I could be, we could be all, all three of us might be uh, maligning could it be. awfully. It could be absolutely brilliant. Um, but mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Casino knows what they're doing, um, sort of sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do at least now. Yeah. No. yeah. They do yeah. now anyway. Yeah. They learn by the mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> why, why did you skip the Doma plan? Uh, Oh, that, 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 that didn't even make the list, did it? Um, yeah, yeah, the uh, the Myroptic Domi plan. Um, well, it's yeah, not too I expensive. Suppose, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I, that, that's that was a bit of censorship on my part, really. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So you got the Domi plan, and um, Wait, I, what, what's wrong with the Domi plan? It looks it looks cool. It's <laughs> I, 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 well. <laughs> it, it's okay it's a, it's a, it's okay and i've I mean, i've used one and it, um and it's, it is unfair of me to have not added it not added not put it in this list um it, it's but it's it's one of those lenses for for me that it comes to life when you put it on and this is the same goes with uh with carl as well when he used to use it um yeah it comes to life when you put it on the extensions uh yeah because the, yeah, the yeah. minimum focus is pretty it's very very poor um, but if you uh, use it on an extension and do some macro level work of flowers um, and you've got some point, points of light in the background, then it's it, it's pretty much a miniature tria plan. So um, and, and it is it's a, well, it's a it's a triplet lens anyway. Yeah. So you so you do get those uh, that onion ring or soap bubble uh, uh, bokeh that you uh, that, that you get with that. So, um, yeah. So Dobby plan that, that has to yeah, be I mean, on, the, does, uh, it... on this list somewhere. It doesn't get any more classic than a cook triplet. Yeah, no, that's right. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> um, moving. Did, did anybody suggest the? I had one on my list for Perry. I just didn't want to, you know, as a host, didn't want to butt in. But did anyone suggest the Fuji fifty five two point two? Which I know it's a little bit outside that. I bet to me a fifty five is a fifty, but it's it's basically an overcorrected Tessar. Yeah. And it and all kinds of hell breaks loose with that lens, <laughs> and I was wondering why nobody suggested that one. If we're talking about interesting, no, interesting. I've actually seen quite a lot from that lens. It's it's weird looking. Yeah, like really no, not is. the lens itself, but the pictures. They they yeah. look weird. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I I don't know what I would shoot with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, our our listeners have not suggested it, so uh, unfortunately, it stays to one side. But yeah, I think that uh, well. it, it, it was an interesting suggestion, though. So, uh, so yeah, 
Um, so our next one uh, from friend of the show and uh, best vintage lens man, uh, Ricardo Bayon, has suggested the Snyder 75mm uh, enlarger lens and in particular a four-bladed one so you end up with square-shaped boat well you get bokeh squares with it i refuse oh oh that's interesting <laughs> no, no no um i i i think i think um the whole point here is like cheap you know missing that phase of experimenting with like sort of cheap slr lenses i have done my fair share of dicking around with like enlarger lenses projector lenses viewing lenses broken lenses and sticking them on helicoids so i actually <laughs> want to try one of these like you know actual cheap lenses that are supposed to be used for photography so i'm sure this would be fun and this might be something that i, I would do just in my own time um but i don't think a 75 millimeter enlarger lens fits the brief plus it might not even well with the right helicoid it would hit infinity but uh, no. square bokeh macro oh well what is that? <laughs> I, I well, I, I I personally think it's a great suggestion. Um, Geo macro. Yeah, I've I've done Geo bokeh. I've I've done, some, yeah, I've, I've, I've done um, oh, what's that? My, Minecraft bokeh. I think I called it on one of my shots. Yeah, Minecraft. Um, yeah, um, yeah, and there are there are a few of these in larger lenses it's not just uh, the this this the snyder i think it's probably a Companon. i think um 75 and it's probably an f4 maybe i, I suppose but there's also uh, 50 millimeters um and the Meopter uh bellar uh, uh in larger lenses the um 50 and the 75 um can also have four blade apertures now and, and that can is uh you know really important if you're going to start looking for one of these things because the majority of these lenses do not have four blade uh, apertures and they may be uh, marked up as exactly the same whether it be four blades or nine blades or, or whatever it is you if it's not mentioned in the description you'd need to look at the photographs and hope that somebody's actually taking the picture with it with it closed down and if they haven't done that then it's worth sending an email to we're talking about buying on ebay here um, it's worth sending an email to the to the seller and, and get them to describe the shape uh, that's made uh, once you actually close the uh, the aperture down um, because like i say un unless somebody does that there's no way of telling uh, whether it's a square a square one or a uh, a, a regular one, um, but I, I I personally I thought that was a great suggestion, and um, mainly because it's not just about in, uh, using an enlarged lens; it's it's about the actual effect uh, that you can get. And the other part of what you can do with these is not just have square bokeh, but you can, if you depending on how it actually fits on your on your camera, you can unscrew it a little bit and turn it into diamond bokeh and and so on and so on so uh so yeah i, I think that was a a, a good suggestion and, and worthy of consideration well i i think i think part of the point is like i kind of want a lens that i can both dick around with and also use for like normal shooting as well to, to yeah. see what it's like and this is a lens that i i'm sure i will have a lot of fun dicking around with but but that's it it will be a dicking around only lens for me <laughs> yeah yeah and that's that's point taken and 
And talking about dicking around, um, <laughs> yeah, the next uh, the next one is the uh, by Christopher J May um, is the Cymosoft or Cymosoft yes. hundred millimeter. And yes. uh, jo Johnny, perhaps you you know a lot about this lens, and perhaps you might want to describe it to people who are not entirely familiar with it. Well, this is the infamous flashlight lens. Um, uh, imagine a plastic trombone type arrangement where you just kind of slide it back and forth with no aperture and uh it's basically just two tubes that you use to focus so there's no helicoid you just kind of like it it's like a push-pull zoom lens but you push pull to focus um and it does have essentially like waterhouse stops the equivalent of a waterhouse stops where you just kind of uh slap these discs in there right um but it's a, uh, I guess, Perry, if you didn't like the Thambar, you will absolutely love the Seamusoft. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think it's a brilliant I, suggestion. Dude, I, I cannot go out onto the streets of Hong Kong <laughs> with a ribbed, with like a ribbed dildo lens. Um, Dude, I'm like going to be moving my hand back and forth. No, no, no. <laughs> this is what it is. You're afraid to be seen with the Seamusoft. That's what it yes. is. Okay. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm only going to take pictures indoors in, like, in my apartment with this thing. I'm not going outside with it. <laughs> it's a perfect lens to use behind closed doors, Perry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh <laughs> I'm just I'm just looking at them on uh, on eBay right now, and uh, yeah, they, they, for for whatever the reason, they they they've not quite managed to get to the UK, um, which uh, could cause us a bit of a problem there. But uh, oh dear, um, yeah, it's f two as well. Yeah, hundred millimeter f two. Hundred millimeter f two. And who doesn't like a fast lens? Exactly, and there's there's one here. Uh, it's it's uh, pristine, clean condition looks essentially unused um, <laughs> um, uh, I mean for anything that shape that's the description you want <laughs> disinfected is the other description you'd like to get with that lens. yeah uh, I use the description here for photographers love the ethereal quality of the of the soft focused images produced uh, produced by this lens um, so um so yeah, I mean, they, there you go. It doesn't get more of an endorsement of that. That's on at forty nine dollars ninety nine, and you can even make an offer on it as well. And uh, uh, and it's in the states, so um, yeah, we we could pick this up. So I have one of these at the shop. I there's another one that showed up, Perry. I'm sure I could get I could get the employee discount and get this lens to you, no problem. Yeah. Mm. No. Okay, well, let's let's let's. I think, I think it it must be uh, said that the you you're having your input on these uh, lenses, uh, but the ultimate choice of well, the choice of the shortlist is actually going to be down to Johnny and I, and okay. uh, and then it will be down to our listeners as to which yeah. one uh, is actually yeah. going to get used. So uh, thank thank oh, you. Oh, you're going to put it to a vote? Oh yes. Uh, oh so, yeah. So, so, so you so, both so. live in countries that are evidence that voting does not yield. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. A referendum, the worst possible. Every, everyone's going to vote for the Seamusoft now. After yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to go to jail for looking like a sex predator. Uh, <laughs> 
I'm 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 sure I'm sure um, our our listeners will uh, yeah, you... will make the right decision. Should uh, this 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 get onto the short list? Yeah, you're gonna get a seamless off named Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, uh, um, two two more uh, lenses to, to to go through, um, and the the next one by uh, Rob Jameson um, is the ultra wide and slim. Um, yeah. and, that's, and that's something that Johnny knows all about. Yeah, I will even. I think I even offered to 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 mount you one up uh, for use on an LTM. So there you go, LTM mount version of the Vivitar ultra wide and slim. Yeah, I, I think I would actually have a reasonable amount of fun with this lens. Um, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to use it like a point and shoot, right? Uh, yeah, it's it, basically a focus-free. They say it's 22 millimeters. We talked about this a little bit. I, I think maybe on an actual uh, Vivitar ultra wide and slim like mounted on that camera it might get that wide angle of view but remounted on ltm and you know set to the correct focus distance and everything i don't really think it's truly that wide i think it's more i think it's somewhere between 24 and 28 um and it's they say it's about f11 and i think it's also not quite f11 i think it's more like an f16 so Yes, an F16 24 millimeter lens is pretty much what I think it is on an LTM camera. Now yeah, that could be fun. I mean, I have an external viewfinder for that. Stick it on a yeah, and it, it, it gets super flare, super flares, and not crazy sharp, and does funky things. So there you go. Okay, well, let's let's move on to the the final suggestion by JP Holden. Um, and uh, this is a lens that I nearly sold him, um, and that's I don't know if I talked him out of it because it's the Minolta uh, 50 millimeter f 1.7. Yeah, I, I've actually tried this lens a bunch because um, there are quite a lot of them locally, and my my buddy has one, uh, so probably not. Um, it's a good lens. I really like the the like metallic grip on the focus ring. Yeah, um, but. I, I mean, I've used this lens before. Yeah, but I don't have one. So, it's yeah. too nice. It's yeah. it's it's just too it's too it's too normal. Yeah, normal is normal is definitely the word there because I mean, ultimately, these are lenses that you've got to get something out of, aren't they? Really? So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, okay, Johnny, uh, we need to we need to pick three lenses out of out of this list, and. I'm just judging by your feedback. I think that we may be in agreement on what the three lenses might be. Um, I'm gonna. I'll. I'll. I'll give my short list, and then you can tell me if you agree with that, or uh, we'll right. we'll discuss the whatever it is we don't quite agree on. Um, so the first one on that list, I think, is the Konica uh, forty one point eight. Do you think that belongs yes. on there? Totally agree. Yep. Okay. Um, and the next one being the Yashinon. Uh, 50f2 yep and uh quite obviously um the third one uh that i believe should be on there uh is the seamasoft <laughs> oh my god i like perry too much for that i just don't think we can do that to him no. I, I, 
I think he's I think he's right that this will turn this is going to turn into a, a farce episode of the Classic Lenses podcast and Perry and the Seamusoft. <laughs> yeah. I I would love to prepare to use this lens but I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it fits the brief. Oh. Plus it's too long. It's I, you know I, I said preferably yeah, I mean, like this is he he's got a point there. It's out, it's it's well outside the parameters that we sort of agreed upon. So you know what? If, if I get a chance to try this lens independently, um, I'm happy to do that. Okay, so this is f- this is even better, folks, because Perry, if he makes it to Chicago, now there is no way he's not leaving Chicago without a Seamusoft because I'm going to make him take take this lens <laughs> on his trip to Canada, and he can do astrophotography with a Seamusoft. It'll be perfect. <laughs> okay, then, Johnny. So, what, what's 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 your suggestion then for the, uh, for, the for the third one? Oh man. Um uh, I think we might be the Doma plan. I mean, did you say you've shot that one, Perry? No, no, no. I have oh, not. He hasn't. Okay. Well, I, I yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can I can live with that one too. All so right. uh we'll we'll put we'll start the poll off probably tomorrow. Um and uh, and we'll announce the winner. Although, if, if you're in the Facebook group, uh, the, the Classic Lenses, we're going to do this in our podcast group. So, uh, um, photography with classic. No, <laughs> what's our podcast called? <laughs> <laughs> you're not helping on this now, are you? Uh, I forgot to. Oh, yeah, Classic God. Lenses Podcast. Yes. So, uh, so <laughs> our Facebook group, Classic Lenses Podcast, uh, we'll have a poll. And uh, and the winner, the winning one is the one that we're going to pick. So uh, and and Perry will be shooting with in the near future. So uh, and we'll announce that next week. So that pretty much gives it entries will close on Monday afternoon, sometime UK time. So uh, um, who knows? It might be a runaway winner. It might be quite close. Um, it remains to be seen. Be yeah, yeah, should yeah. be interesting. Okay. Cool. Right. Um, I I think we're pretty much done. Would you agree with that? Yep. Is there anything else we need to need to cover off? Uh, are we going to make more funny camera sounds? Oh, that was that. Was, yes, that was a good point actually. <laughs> because when we were, when we were chatting uh, before, uh, when the the first time we actually heard the the the, the Bronica, um rock the world uh, with its with its shutter, we sort of went out and grabbed our favorite cameras to make, or I'm not sure favorite, in my case, it was one of my favorite cameras, but uh, to just, just try some shutter sounds. And um, so Johnny, do you want to play shutter sound for uh, right. for, for, our, for our listeners? Do it, do, do it this way. Fire off the sound, and then we'll see if we can guess right. what oh, it okay. is. Okay. Here we go. Mm. Is that an electronic camera? You want to hear that yeah. again? All right. It, it's. I think there's a mirror in there. Am I right? Is there a mirror in there? There is a mirror. Yeah. There is a mirror. Is it, it electronic? It, it is elect. It is electronic. It is an auto. Auto. You're hearing a shutter sound, uh, a mirror, and an auto advance. Hmm. Uh, Pentax ZX whatever. 
Uh, no, it is a it is a Pentax. Oh wait, no, I guess you are. Yes, I guess that's right. You threw me off with that Z thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a Pentax uh, ZX5. Oh, sweet! That was easy. Yeah. yeah, that was a good guess. Or I guess it, depending yeah. on where you are in the world, it's a is it a what's the other MZ? It has a different it, it, it has a different nomenclature in different countries. Yeah. So it's either the ZM or the ZX, depending on where you are. All right, one nil. Okay. Very, very good. Very, okay. very good. Well, have a go with this one then. Oops, <laughs> switch it on. Uh, you already know it's electronic now. Oh, that sounds really electronic. Oh, it's good. It's good, isn't it? That. Oh. Oh, what is it? You can go with clues. I'll, 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 I'll give you okay. clues. Is it your SLR? It's an SLR. Yeah. Is it a contacts of some sort? Oh, it is. Uh, RTS. It's an RX. Ah, uh, so, uh, so, okay. I, I think, and I've done. It's yeah. Pe Perry has got a, an advantage on there because he says he, he remembers every single show, and I've done this before on the show. So uh, oh, you have. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's no, no surprise that Perry got that one right. right. Well done, all the same. Well done for using that institutional memory of yours. Uh, all right, I got I got a wacky one for you guys. Try this one out. If I can actually get it to work. <laughs> You hear that? What the hell was that? Let's do it That's a Ford Model T car horn. <laughs> One more time. It sounds like it's on his last legs, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I thought my Pentax sounded bad. Uh, is, is it a Leica R? <laughs> no. <laughs> Go for the clues. See if you can get it. I don't know where to start with that. It doesn't even sound like a camera, Barry. <laughs> oh, it's only a camera. Do it again. Okay, okay. Uh, it's a little wacky tech. Actually, get it to do this. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm lost. I, I just wouldn't even know where to start with that. Is it, um... Uh, uh, oh man! Is, Come is on, go by pro, go by elimination. Yeah, is it something Nikon? No. <laughs> is, it, is it German? Nope. Is it Japanese? Yes. <sighs> is it electronic? Oh yeah. Is it autofocus? No. What? What? Come on! Uh, it could have been a point and shoot. No, it's definitely not a point and shoot. Oh, is it a leaf shutter? No, hold that on. Is correct. That is very correct. Yeah. Uh, that, that's not necessarily leading me any closer to the answer. But um. is it uh, medium format? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, because it's. Uh, is that a um, a Pentax six forty five? Nope. Is it a six forty five format one twenty camera? It is. Uh huh. Uh huh. Veronica. That. Yep. 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 
That's where I was going next. Yep. So what? Which Veronica is it? Well, they're all the same. Jesus, they're oh, all. It's, no, 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 they're, they're not. not. They're not. It's going to be one of those flat, flat ones, isn't it? Like a, oh, I don't know what they called, um, you know, Texas Larker kind of style range. No, it's not thing, your. So. That's not your. Yes, Bronica, it is. It's Veronica RF six four five. Get out of here! Really? Yeah, man. Yeah. The the wow. weird meow at the end of the shutter is the shutter recalking. So a lot of people think that it's a really long shutter delay, but actually the leaf shutter fires and it's almost silent, and then you get yeah, that weird little like right. It's all the yeah, all that all that noise is all, everything other than the shutter. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. I don't want one now. <laughs> <laughs> Killed my gas on that one. All right, but but to its credit, it sounds like it's actually probably that noise is probably very quiet. It's very quiet. I yeah. had to hold it right up to the mic. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's quieter than the other Bronica. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, right. Wow, is that weird? Well, yeah, it's this weirdest sounding shutter of any camera I've got, but I love it. It's uh, one of my well, there we go. Well, on 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 that note, that let's good. Uh, that very very good. Yeah, let's let's start to wind things down. I just want to say yeah. uh, thank you to those people that have donated to us uh, via coffee. That's uh, ko ficom and search Classic Lenses Podcast. Um, and we actually we devoid of messages uh, this week. So, uh, but thank you, Lawrence. Uh, thank you, James. Uh, thank you, Ways. Um, Robbie J um has uh, put a smiley face on so uh, thank you robbie um, <laughs> and nigel cliff um has uh, said uh, uh and he's talking about last week's show um once we got the culinary references out out of the out of the way um <laughs> another excellent show uh any chance of a week where you just talk about photography um I think, we, I, th I think we've actually managed that this week. Haven't we? Yeah, I was going to say, I was wondering if, if he stuck with us this far, if he's going to make it through this. But I think this episode was in, in good territory for, yeah, for, so, for Nigel. Yeah. So a, su a successful week for, for Nigel then for, for listening. That's, that's great. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let's, let's wrap things up. Have you got any uh, shout outs, Johnny? Uh, I, d I don't think so. Not this week. Okay. And Perry? Uh, yeah, two quick ones. One to Devlin Cook for hanging out with me in Hong Kong. Uh, he's texting me as we speak, and he's got his <laughs> rolls, uh, six rolls that he shot in Hong Kong, in his Patterson tank and ready to go. All right. Um, yeah, so that'll be cool to see his results. And secondly, oh, who's my second shout-out to? Oh, a uh, quick shout-out to uh, the folks at the Grainy Days podcast. Um because one thing that Devlin told me while he was here is he was listening to that, and the guys on that show had Mike Padua on, uh, who has a very popular YouTube channel. And I think it was Dustin gave me a nice shout out at the end for a as like a photographer whose pictures he actually likes, and that's always the the biggest compliment. So thanks, guys, yeah, over at Greedy cool. Days. Excellent. You guys are cool. I like you now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... And uh, I, I haven't really got any shout-outs this week, uh, other than to say that uh, uh, every Tuesday uh, we've got the uh, Six Towns Darkroom in Stoke on Trent. So if you want to come around, come along and develop some film or just talk about film cameras, because we just like talking about that kind of stuff anyway, um, get in touch with me. Just drop me a line via one of uh, 
the many uh, ways that people can get in touch with us and uh, I'll, I'll go through mine in a second but let's just go through Johnny's first how can people keep in touch with you uh, I'm at at Sisson Photography on Instagram and you can catch up with me at Central Camera Company in Chicago most days of the week and you can keep up with the podcast at uh, classiclensespodcast.com you can send the podcast an email at uh, classiclensespodcast at gmail.com and you can read the spectacular show notes for each episode uh, over in the best vintage lens uh, uh, Instagram group over there and I was going to yeah. say Ricardo really laid into you this week as well yeah that was good yeah, yeah that, was, that was good it was really good <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, how about you Perry uh, I am perryge dot uh, com and on Flickr and Instagram same thing that's cool and I'm on uh, Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic uh, Twitter is Simon Four. that's, that's Simon and F-O-R uh, I'm, I'm on Flickr where I've got loads of uh, albums of uh, things I've done with different lenses if you just look up my name Simon Forster I think you can find me that way um, still nothing added in the last six months or so but need to do something about that um, what else I've got a website which is Simon Forster Photographic where you can buy FICAS adapters what was that again? FICAS Oof. Uh, and uh, apologies to people in Italy um, and uh, I've also got a eBay shop uh, if you do a search for It's Fozzy on ebay.co.uk hopefully you can find me there where I've got more FICAS adapters some KNF adapters and actually quite a few lenses on there at the moment so you might want to take a, take a look over there um, so that's pretty much it um, you can find us all in the Facebook group um, <laughs> I was going to say Photography with Classic Lens again yes we do go in there uh, but we have our own group which is the Classic Lenses Podcast Facebook group um, I want to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for our Octo Blues theme music and then finally um, it's been great that you've been with us I'm glad you've uh, some of you are enjoying the show and um, until next time, if you can, be like Carl. <laughs> wow. Excellent. It, uh, it almost sounds like a goat. I mean, it, it just doesn't sound at all. Like if you played that song or that, that sound, to most people, they would, I don't think they would have any clue that that's a camera. I know it, it, it's just bizarre. Yeah, yeah. it's like they, it's like a, the cow in the can kind of sound almost, or something. It does sound. It sounds like an animal. Yeah, like it does. Kind of animals cry. I I could. I mean, I could. I could. Uh, if you wanted as a transition, I could say like, "Hey, Perry, I heard you had a little outing with you had an outing with Cap Captain Cook as well, or something." Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. Okay. But when so you but when you when you do it, don't say uh uh and Perry like that. You know, just just What do you uh, mean? Yeah, just um just just do it like you just did when you were <laughs> when we when we were just talking there. I will, I I I I can do that. <laughs> hey Perry. <laughs> 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 that was just for that was just for Simon for the outtakes. <laughs>